The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. And we are back on another edition of Your Dish with Clubhouse Conversation. It's Davo, and I want to begin by apologizing for being MIA over the last 10 days or so, besides some random tweets. Uh, my dad has had major life-saving surgery, I'm happy to say. He's doing better um, after a major, major, major spinal surgery. So it's been a bit of a grind for me the last 10 days. I've missed here and there a couple bits and pieces of games and been stressed beyond belief. So my apologies in being kind of MIA the last 10 days here on Clubhouse Conversation. But the good news is, over these last 10 days, the Royals are starting to look like the team that I predicted to win the AL Central all winter long. And I since revenged and, and kind of went back on that prediction in our last dish about 10 days ago. And I still think that it's highly unlikely the Royals win the division. But certainly the last 10 days, they have played much, much better baseball. The offense has come to life. Namely, Eric Hosmer got that average hovering around 300 now. And Brandon Moss is starting to hit the long ball. We saw Jorge Soler hit the longest home run of the season in MLB yesterday. A rocket to center field. 400, what, 64 feet to straightaway center. So it's nice having some more competent hitters in the lineup, you know? You put in somebody like Soler, gives you that instant boom-boom home run power. You see Brandon Moss starting to have some better at-bats. He really is. He's still a bit lost up there at times of the plate, but we knew coming in he would strike out a boatload of times this year, but we also just hoped he would hit 25 home runs. 25 might be pushing it, but certainly Brandon's got a shot to get to 20 this season. So hopefully that will happen, and hopefully Jorge Soler can stay healthy and give the Royals a nice boost offensively. We're seeing Whit Merrifield not always having the results he wants, but having great at-bats. Even Alex Gordon, we keep talking about it, striking out the least amount in his major league career. And am I concerned that he hasn't hit a single home run yet? Of course. And I'm sure he is too. You know, he's very frustrated. Nobody works harder than Alex getting in there about 12, 1230 every day, working out. You know, maybe he needs to use the left side of the field a bit more, but at the same time, he's been a very successful multi all star player. So it's, it's tough for you to just tell him to abandon what's made him so great at the major league level and what got him that four year long term deal with the Royals. And I still think Alex has gotten highly unlikely or unlucky this year. I really do. He hit a number of balls hard right at people. And some of that is the shift hitting right into it. Some of that is he's not elevating enough. And when he is, it's lazier. But I do think Alex will be the next one to kind of explode here pretty, pretty quickly. And not going to get to those 20 home runs I predicted before the season, obviously. But certainly think he can get well into double figures and still have a very nice year. He's playing great defensively. That's one thing for sure. And he's still having good at-bats. He's still taking pitches, working the pitchers. So I just want you to know all is not lost with Alex Gordon. I've got a couple tweets about that. No, I'm not highly concerned about it. Am I worried? Of course, a little bit. I'm sure he is deep down. You know, nobody cares more than him. So I do think he'll come around. Like I said, though, it's nice seeing Hosmer start to hit and Moss start to hit. And, you know, it's contagious. So getting Soler back in there, getting nice at-bats from Merrifield, and of course we have to talk about Alcides Escobar leading off. Coincidence, the Royals have won 6 of 7 since he went into the leadoff spot in 7 of 10. Royals now at 16 and 21, just 4.5 behind Minnesota, 3.5 behind Cleveland, depending on what they do tonight against Tampa. Is it coincidence that the Royals have started to score runs ever since Escobar went into the leadoff role? Because if you look at it, the Royals have averaged 4.1 runs per game over the last 10 games, which is pretty good. I mean, in the grand scheme, it's 
pretty league average, but 4.1 over 10. We've been saying all year, if the Royals could have a league average offense with the starting rotation they have, they'd be a postseason team. Is it too little too late? Potentially. I mean, getting 10 games under 500 is tough. I mean, you've won six of seven and you're still five under 500, right? I mean, early on this year, if you could even play 500 ball, you'd be in first place right now. You know, in April, if you could have just played 500 ball. So, you know, the problem is it gives you no margin for error that we keep talking about. You know, if you get to 10 under 500, you got to work your butt off for, you know, three, four, five, six, seven weeks in a row to get back at or above 500. And then once you do that, you're back on even footing, but then you're going to need another run to get to the postseason. And so what I'm saying is once you get back to 500, you can't drop back down to six or seven under again. So that's the problem with having such a horrendous early part of the year for the Royals. It literally gave them no time and no margin for error. Not no time. They have plenty of time, but no margin for error. Like I said, the good thing is they do have some time left in the season, plenty of time to make ground up. If they can continue at their worst to play 500, they cannot have another sub 500 month the rest of the season so as far as where the Royals are at right now you know obviously none of us are happy with the record but certainly the last 10 days we're very happy with the way the Royals are playing even against Cleveland when they disappointingly lost two out of three at the beginning of this 10 game stretch didn't give up any runs and you know in that series just they could have scored three four damn runs a night they would have swept them so you know the Royals have held opponents to three runs or less in seven of their last 10 games that's great seven of the last 10 three runs or less Royals averaging 4.1 over those 10 and giving up 3.9. But like I said, the 3.9 is inflated by two games. Realistically, the Royals are more like an upper two pitching-wise the last 10 games. So it's great. So the Yankees come to town. Perhaps the most surprising team in the American League this year. I don't think anybody quite saw Aaron Judge turning into Hannes Wagner and Pete Rose combined this quickly. I mean, Gary Sanchez was out. That was a big blow, or supposed to be at least. And, you know, I don't think anybody was holding their breath that Matt Holliday and Jacoby Ellsbury and, and Brett Gardner and Starlin Castro would all of a sudden, D.D. Gregorius, all of a sudden bounce back and play like they're five years younger again. But really, this team, are they playing over their head? I don't know. I, I don't think so. I, I don't think this team's going to win the AL East by any stretch. I, I still think that's going to come down to Baltimore or Boston. Boston has not swung the bats worth of crap. They're starting to come alive, kind of like the Royals are. You're starting to see Mookie Betts swing a better bat. Mitch Morelands is a stud for Baltimore or for Boston, and of course Bogarts and Petey in the two hole. So uh, we know that. Jackie Bradley. We know Boston's going to start scoring runs. Chris Sale leading that rotation. We'll see if David Price can ever come back and help or what they do at the deadline. But I don't think the Yankees are going to win the AL East, but to answer my own question, rhetorical question, are they are they for real? Are they for real, though? Yeah. I mean, let's look at the numbers here. The Yankees are third in Major League Baseball in run score. They have scored 201 runs. We all know that the Royals are dead last at 119. Yikes. The Yankees have scored 82 more <laughs> runs than the Royals. Yikes. But, you know, the Royals are still very good pitching. We'll talk about that in a second. But, I mean, Aaron Judge has become a borderline superstar. You don't, you don't hear much about him yet with guys like Bryce Harper on their way to career seasons and Mike Trout and, you know, on and on Betts and Machado and Seager and you know, all these great, 
great young superstars in the game of baseball. Trey Turner is even a guy that I think is going to turn into a star, complete stud. I, I just love baseball right now. There are so many great young players. That, I know all of us love the Royals here if you're listening at clubhouseconversation.com, but highly suggest dropping 140 bucks and getting the MLB.tv or MLB Extra Innings package and following baseball, playing some fantasy baseball. It's fun. What a good time for baseball right now. But you know, it's funny to me that Aaron Judge is hitting 7th, 6th, 5th in this Yankees lineup. Just take a look at his numbers. I'll let you Google it and look for yourself. They're not safe for work when you look at them. They're so good. So, anyway, the Yankee offense, we know they can score some runs. Gary Sanchez is back after being out for the majority of the month of April. Well, you know, and into May. The Yankees pitching-wise, you might ask, how are they? Good. We know they have shut down... Eighth and ninth inning at the back of that bullpen, but the starting pitching has been great. And the Yankees come in with a 3.77 team ERA. That's seventh in all of baseball. So they can pitch as well, which is especially impressive when you look at where they pitch at in Yankee Stadium. The Royals, though, let's not sell them short. Their 3.99 team ERA is 12th in baseball. So the Royals are still, uh, you know, basically an average league average bullpen and a very good to borderline great starting rotation when everyone is healthy. So let's get into the, some of the matchups. We only really have one matchup for sure in this series because the Yankees are moving some things around. Game one tomorrow night on Tuesday at the K will be CC Sabathia, Jason Hamill. This is not your five year ago CC Sabathia. This is not the CC Sabathia back when you were skinny before you packed on the pounds. This is a different CC Sabathia. This is one that's at the very, very end of his career. Two and two at the 5.77 for CC. Jason Hamill has been even worse. One and four at the 5.97. I'm shocked it's not worse than 5.97. Jason Hamill and Travis Wood have been absolute disasters this year for the Royals. And don't you feel like when Ian Kennedy's in this rotation, don't you feel like the Royals can win four out of five days? The way Nate Carnes has been taking the bull by the horns and striking out double-digit guys in back-to-back games. The way Ian Kennedy gives you six-plus innings of three-run ball, two-run ball. The way Jason Vargas has turned into Sandy Koufax, minus the 10-miles-an-hour velocity that he doesn't have. 85-86 fastball. The way Danny Duffy, who's really underachieved, in my opinion, and slightly concerning numbers with the Ks, but it was nice seeing him bounce back against Baltimore, though Baltimore does not hit left-handed pitching worth a crap, so that's worth noting as well. But not going to down, downgrade that as well. And the White Sox, in fairness to Danny, the White Sox actually do hit left-handed pitching really well, and he had two of his three previous starts against the Southsiders from Chicago. So, uh, But, you know, I, I feel great about this Royals rotation except for Jason Hamill. But let's start with CeCe. CeCe has given up, in his last four starts, five six, seven, and four earned runs. This is a guy the Royals need to go to town on tomorrow night. and uh, Literally. I mean, because they've got Jason Hamill pitching. And Jason Hamill ain't going to shut down a Yankees lineup with Aaron Judge on fire, with Starlin Castro on fire, with Matt Holliday looking like, uh, you know, a younger version of good Matt Holiday with Gardner and Ellsbury from the left-handed side of the play, with Gary Sanchez, with Didi Gregorius. You go up and down this lineup, it's full of studs. So, no, Jason Hamill ain't going to shut these guys down. But what you hope for is five to six innings of three to four run ball out of Jason Hamill. The Royals are going to have to score six runs to win this game tomorrow night. The Royals have struggled against left-handed pitching this year, but it's CC Sabathia. 
Two of his four outings where he's blown up the last four include outings against the Blue Jays and Pirates, who are near as bad as the Royals offensively. And, and the Royals are playing a lot better right now than the numbers indicate. They're they're more like a number 15 offense the way they've been swinging at the last 10 games. So certainly the Royals are better right now than the Blue Jays and Pirates offenses are, and Sabathia got lit up by them. So you do the math. 16.2% of Sabathia's fly balls are leaving the park. That's a lot. 16.2%. So hopefully the Royals can hit a couple dongs tomorrow night and get this W. Now, XFIP, which is kind of a weighted average based on ballparks and other things, it's Google it if you want to read the exact. It's my favorite pitching stat, my favorite advanced stat where it kind of tells you, it kind of looks at the peripherals more and kind of puts together what a guy should be. It goes on top of what FIP already does, a newer thing from a guy that Hardball Times, I believe it was where he worked at, that invented that. But XFIP does have Sabathia. He is 577. They have him at 475. So they do think he should be about a run better. So maybe some positive regression coming. But the Royals need to score three, four runs at least off of Sabathia because you don't want to get behind going into the late innings against the Yankees. Will the Royals win this one? I don't know. Let's talk about Jason Hamill and his XFIP since we brought up Sabathia. XFIP has him at 5.18, so that's the good news, kind of. He's, they've got him 0.8 better than the 5.97. That's still horrible, though, obviously. The bad news is that you look at his home run to fly ball percent rate, 8.3% of Hamill's fly balls leave the park, and that's 5% below what he's been the last four or five years. He's anywhere from 12 to 13% normally, so 4 to 5% below that. So there are probably isn't a lot of positive to look at here. The, the stuff is not there anymore. The command is not there anymore. He's tried going out of the stretch exclusively. I think there's not much there for Jason Hamill. I'm not super hopeful about tomorrow night. I'll probably pick the Yankees tomorrow night. I hate saying that, but I'm trying to be, you know, my, I'm trying to work with my head here more than my heart. The, the last two games of the series, Wednesday, Thursday, it's tough to predict because it's TBD for the Yankees both days. The Royals have Jason Vargas going on Wednesday. He's 5-1 and one with a 1.01. We know about that, and, and obviously his XFIP is 3.70, if you're wondering. So XFIP says a lot of negative regression is coming here, 1.01 versus 3.70. And I think we all agree that Jason Vargas ain't going to have a, a sub-2 ERA this season, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he is a 2.8 to 3.1 pitcher. I'm not predicting it. I think he'll probably end up in the 3.4 to 3.5 range when all is said and done, but I think Jason Vargas is, at, at, at this moment, obviously, your main number one Royals All-Star candidate, and certainly if the season ended today, you'd have to look at him as a possible Cy Young candidate. Man, I wish I would have put that, that bet in Vegas before the year. May or may not have bet the Royals really big at 18-1 to to win the AL Central. If I did gamble, I may have put that in. But, of course, I don't gamble. But if I did, I may have put that in. Certainly, what would the odds of Vargas winning the Cy Young have been? Well, they, they weren't on the board. It, it would have been betting on the field. But probably something like 50-1 to because you would have had to bet on the actual field there. But if they actually made a line for just Jason Vargas to win the Cy what would it have been, 500-1 to before the year? And it's not going to happen, guys. We know that. But certainly the 85-86, is it sustainable? Well, I think it is because he's not he, – he he works so much with Dave Island over the last year and a half when he came back from the Tommy John. So first of all, the Tommy John, I think, really just helped him. But second of all, getting time to just work with you know over and over, with, with repeating that delivery, with fine-tuning his delivery. So it's like clockwork. He doesn't have to think at all. I mean, you, it's consistently a ball outside, inside, outside, at the knees, at the knees, up, at the knees. I mean, how often is Jason Vargas missing in the middle of the plate? Not very often. Uh, he switches speeds fantastically. 
I think this is very real. I think Jason Vargas has got to get himself a nice contract this winter. Now, the last game of the series is TBD versus Danny Duffy. No XFIP for TBD. We don't know who he is. But Danny Duffy, 3.38 ERA. He's 2-3. and three. Bad news with him is XFIP has him at 4.66. And that's, I'm sure... A lot of that's because of the K ratio being down. The K for nine. Last year, Duffy, 9.42 Ks per nine innings. This year, 6.22. That's scary. That's well over three strikeouts per nine innings down for Danny Duffy. Uh, and and we talked about that the other day. I mean, uh, on Twitter, I, I mentioned that it's very concerning to me that a guy that you look at to be your ace the next three to four years, a guy that you look at as – I mean, at the worst, you look at him as a number two starter on a great team. At the worst. I mean, that's what you think Danny Duffy is, right? The number one for this ball club. And for a great ball club, he's probably a number two. That's what you have to hope that he is. And, and number twos and number ones don't, you know, not strike guys out. When he can't put guys away, especially teams like the White Sox, that's a bit of an issue. When you get the two strikes over and over and can't strike a team out that's notorious for striking out a lot. Now, it was good to see him come out and throw up a cape running last time out against Baltimore, and I'm not panicked at all. Velocity's slightly down. I think Duffy's fine, but it's something to, something to, certainly to look at because you can't be a top-of-the-rotation starter if you're not striking guys out. And Jason Vargas, proof of that, his strikeouts are way up. So... I mean, not compared to last year, but last year was, what, four games. But if you look at it for, throughout his career, he's striking out more guys than ever. So you certainly have to miss bats because it allows you to get out of bad situations, first of all, when you got runners in scoring position with less than two outs, obviously. And the other thing, of course, is in general, allowing less contact, less balls are going to find, you know, green grass for hits because, and, you know, what is it? The major, average major league hitter is hitting anywhere from 275 to 295 when the ball's put in play for the most part. So, you know, missing bats is a huge thing for baseball in general and certainly for a guy you look at at the start of the rotation, at the top of the rotation. So there you go. I'm kind of mumbling today. Sorry about that. Man, I'm out of, out of, out of uh, practice here, I guess, on the dish. Final thoughts on the Yankees series. I will take the Yankees to win two out of three. I hate to do it. Realistically, if the Royals can win two of these three games, I will be on cloud freaking nine. Come out and get that game tomorrow night. Attack CC Sabathia and pour it on. You can get a halfway decent outing from Hamill. You get that first win tomorrow night, I'm going to start getting really giddy again. I mean, you know, I feel like it's kind of like the old days, but it's still fun. You know, the old days, we just prayed and prayed the Royals could get back to 500. The last few years, we haven't had to worry about that very much. But, you know, this year, let's just get back to 500 by early June and see what happens. You know, are we all know in our heads it's not likely the Royals are going to win this division, and it's – very, very, it's okay. It's very, very unlikely they win the division, and it's slightly unlikely they get a wild card. Not impossible, though. We know that. The math says there's plenty of time. We've seen them come back from worse, but you know, we'll just see what happens. Let's let's let our hearts buy in. My heart's bought in. My heart's my heart's there. My heart believes. My head does not fully believe. My heart does, and I'm sure you're probably in the same place. Now, if you want to reach out, love to hear from you at Royals Clubhouse on Twitter. We have a Facebook page, Clubhouse Conversation. You can always email me as well. Davo at clubhouseconversation.com. I promise it won't be near as long this time until we talk to you again on Clubhouse Conversation. Have a great night and go Royals.